Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Episode 174 of the Rise and Shine podcast. And the featured guest this week, Michael Lombardi, former NFL general manager, longtime executive. He has another incredible football book out, Football Done Right. I read it at the beach this past summer at Rehoboth Beach. It is a tremendous, tremendous read. I thoroughly recommend it. And you guys are going to love this interview with Mike Lombardi. Talk to him about his career, his book, go around the league. And it is a pretty amazing spot. And Lombardi is just incredible on radio, TV. He's excellent when it comes to NFL gambling and the lines, the Lombardi lines. And you know who else has been incredible when it comes to everything going on with betting on the NFL? Our senior executive producer, the great Bob Stew. And Bob, it's kind of crazy. I am off to the worst start I've ever had in 19 years on Sirius XM when it comes to picking games against the spread. I am 10, 20, and 2. And honestly, in terms of a feel, I don't even know how I won 10. I I have just been off. I mean, I had the Broncos covering, and that turned out to be a disaster. And, you know, I had a a victory that was all gift-wrapped with the 49ers covering, and that was a disaster. And a push with the Saints and a push with the Minnesota Vikings. But you, Bob Stu, you were off to the hottest start you've ever had. Ten losses. I have ten wins. You have 20 victories, twice as many as me, doubling up your number of losses through the first couple of weeks, two ties. Bob Stu, not only that, you won our Daily Fantasy League. You do the Daily Fantasy League. It was a big topic. It always is a big topic on the Rise and Shine podcast. You're in a league with buddies of mine from, from town, and you just absolutely are crushing it not only with your picks, but also with Daily Fantasy. Oh, it's been a great year, Adam. I'll give you some advice. Stop picking bad teams. I mean, that, <laughs> that's what this comes down to. I mean, Adam, you're taking the Bears multiple weeks. You can't that's do true. that. That's you're true. picking against Tampa. I don't like I mean, think about it this way. The reason I've done so well is that first week is always tricky. It's, a, it's very, you know, there's a lot of trap games there. So I was very prepared this week going into week one. I've made those mistakes before and ended up with four or five wins in the first week. That isn't happening anymore. I went 12 and four against the spread, and I could have done better, Adam. I could have won 13 or 14 the first week. Mike Vrabel kicking the field goal. I'm still mad about it. The Saints should have covered that game. I had the Chiefs, they lost to the Lions. That one kind of sucked too because Kansas City had a chance to win that game. But the you fact know it was a ma- close one, Giants-Cardinals. And I thought the Giants was yeah. the best bet of week number two. It was a four-point spread. It was a three-point win. Yeah, we all lost that one, though, Adam. And 
That was one of the ones that was a trap, too, because I took the Cardinals week one. I thought it was brilliant. I took them to win. They almost beat the Commanders. That kind of thing happens every single year, right? Everybody talks about this is going to be the worst team in the NFL, and then the team's not that bad. I think Jonathan Gannon's done a pretty good job so far, Adam. If anything, for the Cardinals, they should be really scared because they might not end up with Caleb Williams, so that would really stink for them. They're actually playing too well. They need to start. they got to tone it down a little bit. But the reason I won Daily Fantasy, you just mentioned it, Adam, Danny Dimes, baby. Daniel Jones. Oh, boy. I felt like such a freaking moron in the first half for playing Daniel Jones, Adam. Yeah. He's stunk. He couldn't complete a pass. He's going to cost me everything. How could I have played him in the first place? But then Daniel Jones exploded, Adam. He was perfect. He was, he wasn't, he was better than Danny Dimes. It was some of the best I've ever seen him play with that comeback. He was unbelievable. He led me straight to victory. I didn't even feel like I had a great week, Adam. But Daniel Jones at 35 points at the quarterback position on DraftKings, oh, baby, he made me feel like a genius. Yeah, listen, I, I was disappointed. I, I was on track to being in the money, and Nick Chubb got hurt. I'll never complain about fantasy when it comes to a devastating injury like that. But, you know, I started Calvin Ridley, and that, yeah. I thought that was a lock. That, that wasn't yeah. the case. I love my T. Higgins play. That was awesome. Josh Reynolds, who you started as well. Josh Allen was, was tremendous. Kenneth Walker was, was excellent. I had some really good plays. Jets defense was not one of them. So nope. I think that's a perfect segue into our quick draft, as we always do, to get as many takes out as possible. Biggest disappointments. I mean, your advice to me is amazing. Pick good teams. So, yeah. Bob, you yeah. get first pick as always. Week two, biggest disappointment. This is easy, Adam. To me, biggest disappointment, and I'm just going to go for the entire year for this specific team, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. And to me, it isn't even close. Another 0-2 start. Joe Burrow is potentially injured going into the Monday night football game week three against the Rams. Hey, Adam, quick quiz. Who has the least amount of points scored in the NFL? Oh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. How do the Cincinnati Bengals have the least amount of points scored in the NFL, Adam? That's unbelievable. Think about how bad they've been. Jamar Chase can't catch a cold. T. Higgins was held catchless, although you did play him in daily fantasy, and he looked awesome week two. Got to give you credit. He made some great plays. I was cursing myself playing Chase. He played so poorly. Joe Mixon, he's basically useless, Adam. And this is the thing with the Bengals, right? The offensive line is not good. It's not good. Baltimore's defensive line bullied them the entire game. And Zach Taylor, what he's done, he's done a good job of making sure Joe Burrow's getting the ball out very quickly. But that's it, Adam. The entire Bengals' offense is quick passes, quick throws, quick screens. That's it. Joe's calf is clearly aggravated. It was aggravated going into that game. I really am afraid of what the injury is. I think the Bengals are in major trouble. I took them to go to the Super Bowl, Adam. I feel horrible about that pick right now. It's This doesn't look good at all. So for me, number one, easily, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that's part of it, Bob, right? I mean, your own picks and your own beliefs, that's part of it when you rank disappointments. That's a good job by you mentioning that's your Super Bowl team. I'm not as disappointed because I think if Burrow is healthy, I still think they could live up to your preseason expectations. Look, you were one of the few who thought Justin Fields was terrible. 
I, while I didn't take the Bears to make the playoffs, I thought they got better, even though I didn't love their offseason, hated the timing of that, you know, trade with the number one pick, and, you know, how did they make the Claypool deal last year, went nuts on that, and how do you pass on Jalen Carter, and, you know, still a lot of issues. I thought they would start the season 2-0. and I thought Justin Fields year three would show progress. So Justin Fields had a great rant on Monday on Shine on Sports. It's up right now on Instagram, at Adam Shine. He's my number one disappointment and number two for me, it's the Chargers and Brandon Staley. Yeah. Can't coach his way out of a paper bag. They've had golden opportunities to win these games. Should have beat Miami. Should have beat Tennessee. First team in history, Bob, to have 50 or more points, zero turnovers, and start the season 0-2. Think about that. First team in history the defense is deplorable. Staley has lost his way in terms of when to go forward, when not. I live for Justin Herbert, the three and out in overtime, you know, not throwing a, a touchdown or moving the chains or controlling the clock at the end of regulation before the Tannehill uh, touchdown at the end, you know, before the Chargers kick the field goal to go to overtime, not matching to a touchdown for touchdown. So, Brandon, this is why, and the Chargers have a Super Bowl roster. This is why I didn't pick them to make the playoffs. The Chargers at 0-2 and how they're 0-2, that's my number two biggest disappointment. Bag it, Brandon Staley. The Chargers and the Spanos family need to get out of the football business. Yeah, those are two of my top five, Adam, so I'm glad you took them both off the board there. Those are great picks. For me, I got to go with the Jets defense, week two specifically. I mean, for all the bluster and the talk about how great this defense is, the Jets got slaughtered against Dallas. Opening drive, Dak Prescott marches right down the field like they don't even exist. By the way, there's no Aaron Rodgers, so the Jets defense literally needs to be pretty much perfect every week with Zach Wilson at the helm. And I'm not going to call Zach Wilson a disappointment, Adam, because that would mean we had expectations. And we <laughs> didn't. You and I had no expectations. He wasn't disappointing. He was what we expected, right? But the Jets defense was a disaster. I mean, they played zone the majority of the game. C.D. Lamb carved them up for well over 100 yards. Sauce Gardner, he was only guarding him one time, and he almost had a pick six. You're telling me Sauce Gardner can't follow C.D. Lamb all over the field? It was mind-numbing. The game plan on defense for the Jets was terrible. The game plan on offense for the Jets was terrible. Four carries for Brees Hall is criminal, Adam. Absolutely criminal. So to me, the Jets, that's my number two pick. The Jets defense specifically, horrible against the Cowboys. And my number three, Adam, how about the Steelers offense? I mean, in the preseason, Kenny Pickett was basically hailed as the next big breakout candidate. He was going to be the big savior of this QB class that was pretty disappointing to begin with. And the Steelers' offense has been really poor. And they should be 0-2, to be honest. The defense scored two touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns, and they won them that football game, right? Kenny Pickett doesn't look like he's improved, Adam. And that stinks for the Steelers because if he took a step, they're an absolute playoff contender. They would be because the defense is that good. Najee Harris, he's not even the best back on the team. And aside from George Pickens, Adam, who on that offense is any good in terms of weapons? Pat Fryermuth has like one catcher. He has two catches the first two games of the season. Deontay Johnson's out weeks. It's, it's bad in Pittsburgh, Adam. And Matt Canada, the one that kills me, Adam, was the play call. The Steelers have a chance to win the game, ice the game, third down. It's Kenny Pickett, a keeper? A keeper Brutal. for Kenny Pickett? It Brutal. was unbelievable. It almost cost them the game. They had to punt away. So to me, Adam, number three biggest disappointment, the Steelers' offense. Yeah, listen, I, they were high on my list. And even after a win, I would have fired Matt Kennel after last year. We're on the exact same page. 
Number three, my third round, my number three pick will be Sean Payton and the Broncos 0-2. And I was okay with Payton, what he said about Nathaniel Hackett. He's trying to pump everyone up. You got to be able to beat the Raiders. You most especially have to beat uh, Ron Rivera and the Commanders. You're up 18 points. I love the Broncos this week. You're at home for both those games. Trying to establish a new culture, 0-2 for the Broncos. That is a bitter disappointment. And look, I'm not surprised because you know I'm not a Jordan Love guy. Jordan Love did not complete a pass and did not have a yard in the fourth quarter in Atlanta. So, you know, you got a lot of people thinking that he's the love child here of Brett Favre and and Aaron Rodgers. That is not the case. So I'm going to give the fourth quarter for Jordan Love in Atlanta as my fourth biggest disappointment. And you know me, I don't consider that a surprise. Adam, I love that pick with you, taking Jordan Love, because honestly, one of the biggest disappointments for me this season, it's kind of been the Packers versus you. Because I honestly wanted Jordan Love to be terrible or great. And he's kind of been in the middle, right? Like, to me, that's a major disappointment. I wanted more of a feud between you and the Packers and Jordan Love. So I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Right, he's in that C plus, B minus range. You wanted an A plus or you wanted an F? I wanted a winner of the debate, right? I wanted you to be either entirely right or entirely wrong. This kind of sucks. Like, I I wanted it to be a little bit better, right? I'll tell you, though, Bob, zero, zero passes, zero passes completed, zero yards, fourth quarter, not the love child anymore of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. People got to, you know, stop booking tickets for Canton, Jordan Love. Everybody take a breath on this. I know the touchdown-interception ratio. Jordan Love has completed half of his pass as an NFL quarterback first two weeks of the season zero zero three and out three and out and then four and out missed a wide open Romeo Dobbs at the end in Atlanta you nailed it Adam people need to stop looking at the statistics right and saying oh touchdown interception ratio the Packers offensive line's been excellent they've done a great job putting him in position to succeed a lot of his touchdown the guys have been wide open so Matt LaFleur's done a brilliant job the play calling's been awesome the fact of the matter is, Adam, when he had to go down the field and win the game, he couldn't. He couldn't even complete a pass. So what's going to happen when he's taking on better defenses like, oh, I don't know, the New Orleans Saints? Bingo. So I, I, I'm just – I'm kind of annoyed, Adam. I wanted something to be more definitive. I actually predicted <laughs> this before the season, though. I made this prediction. I said, no one's going to win this argument. We're all going to look – we're going to sit here and go, oh, man, he's kind of You okay. did say so, that, Bob. Sake of fairness, yeah. you did say that. Yeah, so I'm disappointed in myself for predicting this to be accurate. Also, the next one I have, Adam, my next pick, I got to say it, the New England Patriots. And this might be more me. That was my pick. That was my pick. The Patriots offense, that was my next pick. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots offense has been bad, Adam, but just like the Patriots in general have just not been great. And you called it before the season. You were a big believer in, you know, the Patriots. They weren't going to be that good. They're not going to make the playoffs. I was slamming the over at six and a half, and I feel like I'm going to be wrong because I think the Jets are going to beat him coming up this week. I think the Jets are better. They have a better defense. And again, Matt Jones, Adam, he's lost his team multiple games already. The pick six against Philly, putting him behind 16-0. And then Miami has a bad defense, Adam, and the Patriots couldn't do anything at home against them. They looked terrible, terrible at that game. So to me, that would be my next pick, the New England Patriots offense. Rough. I'm going to go with the Vikings starting 0-2, and I picked Uh. them to make the playoffs and win that division, 
And I told you that Seattle was going to beat Detroit, one of the few things I got right this past week. But I wasn't taking the cheese on, on the Lions. Vikings had a golden opportunity to win week one. They choked, could have, should have won in Philly, and they kept turning it over, self-induced mistakes. That can happen. They've turned back into a pumpkin in terms of these one-score games. That's a terrible job by the Minnesota Vikings, and you can't blame Kirk Cousins for that, so I'll take Minnesota. I'm very surprised and disappointed they're 0-2. Should have beat Tampa and really should have beat Philadelphia, which will lead me to my sixth pick. The Eagles passing attack, and I know the yeah. Eagles are 2-0, and but they could very easily be 0-2. They have a new offensive coordinator. Swift was excellent running the ball. Bob, Jalen Hurts has been stuck in the mud. I get it that playing a Belichick defense isn't easy, but they, this has been a mess in terms of Jalen Hurts to start the season. They got a game coming up against Tampa. Better be a get-right game because this Eagles passing attack has been very disappointing and was very disappointing again in week number two against the Minnesota Vikings. Speaking of disappointing quarterback play, Adam, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence for this one. At oh, that was my next point. pick. Right. At some point, Trevor Lawrence needs to win a big game and look great while doing it. And look, I know he won the playoff game against the Chargers and it was an unbelievable comeback. I mean, they also were in a hole because he played absolutely horrible in the first half of that game too, right? So Trevor Lawrence against the Chiefs, Adam, he had a bad game. And he just had so many of these games where it's just a nothing game. He wasn't great and he wasn't terrible. He was kind of just out there on the field playing football, and that's not good enough. At home against Kansas City, a beat-up team, Chris Jones on a pitch count, Travis Kelsey, you know, he, he scored a touchdown, but he didn't look like Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes in the offense still kind of struggling. The Jags defense shows up, and Trevor Lawrence did not play well at all, Adam. He had multiple chances for touchdowns, the ball just out of reach, Calvin Ridley not, and then Zay Jones not getting the feet down twice. You know, Jacksonville... Just disappointing. Could be 2-0. and Could have they be in the driver's seat to easily win that division. At some point, Adam, we need to see Trevor Lawrence become Trevor Lawrence. If he wants to be mentioned as a top 10 quarterback in this league unequivocally, 100%. he needs to win one of these big games at some point. And I got to know, I got to go with another one, Adam, in terms of quarterback play. The rookie quarterbacks, to me, have been oh so disappointing. And again, I'm not going to completely say it with Anthony Richardson, but Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, to me, Adam, have not played well at all. And that's the thing, right? They're, they're both 0-2 to start their careers. Bryce Young, he just does not – he doesn't have any help at the Panthers' offense. He struggled immensely against the Saints' defense, which was to be expected. But, Adam, he didn't even really have 100 yards going into the final drive of that game. It was that bad at home. It was terrible. And C.J. Stroud, the Texans have been trashed multiple times already. And the Texans, they have a good enough defense where they should be in some of these games. They haven't looked good at all. Anthony Richardson's been the best of the bunch, and then he got injured. So the fact is it's been a very disappointing start for these rookie QBs. That's why I'm drafting them with this pick. All right, so I'm going to take – I'm disappointed in the fact that Zach Wilson is still on the Jets. And I, <laughs> I said this in the offseason, get rid of him, don't want to see him in a Jet uniform again, bench for Mike F. and White, players on the Jets loved him, couldn't wait for Zach Wilson to go. And the fact that he was a heartbeat away from Aaron Rodgers, and I said this, you know this, Bob, so I'm allowed to really stress this, that was a terrible calculation by Joe Douglas. And, I mean, he was just throwing it haphazardly to the Cowboys because that's who he is, that's what he does. Yeah, you're right, the Jets should be able to beat the Patriots, but 
You saw Zach Wilson in-game and then post-game against New England twice last year. So, I mean, they have to run the ball with Brees Hall. I have no idea why Zach Wilson is still in a, a uniform for this football team. And for number eight, I'm going to go with, you said Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson. Because I thought the turning point of Jags Chiefs, fourth and a long five, you have the lead. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have done nothing. Patrick has no help at the wide receiver position. Why would you go for it? It was such a bad calculation. I know going into a Patrick Mahomes game, you want to be aggressive. You got to outscore him. You got to match him. Evan Flo, you got to change the script and the plan. Just a terrible job by Doug Peterson. Chris Jones busted up the play. Mahomes drives him down. And then Trevor Lawrence and the Jags were a dollar short. I picked the Jags to win. I picked the Jags to win more games than the Chiefs' big picture. Instead, it's another close but no cigar for Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, to your point, Bob, in a measuring stick game. And I'll give you my last two, Adam. The Giants' defense has been a disaster. That's and a great for, one. And for all the talk about Wink Martindale and how good this defense is going to be and players flying around and they're adding Isaiah Simmons and they're putting together a good defense, the Giants have literally no players. And the Giants have given up more points than any team in the NFL this year. Now, granted, that's not all on the defense. You've had a couple of offensive miscues, too, that led to the point total. But the Giants' defense, Adam, was shredded by Josh Dobbs in the first half. That is inexcusable. The first half gets the Cardinals. The Cardinals have no players. They're trying to lose on purpose. Josh Dobbs has been with the team for like three weeks, and he looked like Joe Montana against the Giants defense. Embarrassing. The Giants defense has been terrible. They have to play the 49ers coming up. It's only going to get worse. They, to me, are a big disappointment. And the final one for me, Adam, it's Kevin Stefanski. And I have been not a fan of him for at least the last year now. I thought last year he did a terrible job with the team. He loses close games all the time. Playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have the better team. They just, their offense, just the game plan, not great, right? Not great. I mean, the receivers, Amari Cooper played great. Elijah Moore doesn't know where the where the out-of-bounds line is half the time. And Deshaun Watson's been horrible. And, and this is the thing. Deshaun Watson now, this is the second year, and I know how long he was suspended for last season. He's been with the team for a long time, and he still looks like he has absolutely no idea what to do on offense. He is not the same quarterback he was in Houston under Bill O'Brien. He looks like a shell of his former self, Adam. So to me, it's on Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff. I don't know. If Cleveland doesn't make the playoffs, Adam, I don't think he's going to be in, the, in he's not going to be the head coach much longer. I'm smiling as you say that because my ninth pick is Deshaun Watson, and I thought Watson was terrible. And when Chubb went out and he got hurt and I just felt awful for Nick Chubb, I mean, that zapped everything from Cleveland, but it didn't have to. And if Deshaun Watson was the player he was in 2020, listen, they would have found a way to win that game as the Pittsburgh Steelers, we talked about earlier with Matt Canada, were awful on offense, negative seven yards in the fourth quarter. Kenny Pickett, who I love, was terrible. And Deshaun Watson was awful. He, you know, turnovers led to two touchdowns on defense. And Deshaun Watson has been awful ever since the trade. He was suspended longer than anyone anticipated. Everyone saw what happened with how pedestrian, how subpar he was last year. And that's the kind of game that the 2020 version of Watson could take that over and find a way to win. Not here, not now. That is a monster disappointment for Cleveland and in the NFL. You know, never disappoints my guy, Mike Lombardi. He's got an unbelievable book out. He's a football mastermind. 
You guys are going to love it. The featured guest on the Rise and Shine podcast, the great Michael Lombardi. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus. Afoxiloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. NFL fans, right now on the SXM app, hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis, all the breakdowns that matter to you, hosted by the players who played for your team and the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases, 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-V. Search Believe in, followed by your team on the SXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Rise and Shine podcast, I just think the world of him, former NFL executive and general manager, one of the brightest minds in football, phenomenal on television, phenomenal on radio, and he's been around it and been all over the NFL for a long time, and he has another incredible book out. This was my reading at the beach at Rehoboth. We talked about on the podcast how much I love Rehoboth and how much I love this book. Football Done Right, I encourage you to get it. It's absolutely incredible. Strong, strong takes and information on the history of the game. My guy, the great Mike Lombardi. Mike, first and foremost, congratulations on another incredible book. Yeah, thank you, Adam. I mean, with that introduction, I'm reminded by what Lyndon Johnson used to say. He said, I wish my uh, uh, father was around to hear that introduction and my mother would have believed it because that was too good. I appreciate you. Listen, it is incredible. And, you know, you are a great football mind. And I know, and you've talked about this, you write about it in your books, surrounding yourself with great people. You appreciate the dialogue of organizations and football and 
You know, I could listen to you tell Bill Walsh stories and Bill <laughs> Belichick stories and Al Davis stories forever. Bill Walsh, what was it like? Because I'm 46 years old. So, you know, just to give you an appreciation for when I started watching football and, you know, I understand the history of sports. I was always enamored with Bill Walsh. What was it like being around his football mind? Uh, you know, uh, really, uh, to me, it was nervousness. You know, every time I would see him, my hands would sweat. Uh, I knew I was in the presence of somebody way smarter than myself. And I knew that I was, had the ability to just, if I could remember what he said, I could learn a lot. And I was in all of them. I really was. And he just captured the room just through his presence, just through when he walked in, he didn't have to say a word. You just knew it. And uh, he was really just amazing. And, and everything, you know, it's funny, Adam, everything you do in life, you kind of tend back to think of a moment in your day where you remember your mom or dad, if they're still alive or if they're no longer with us or someone who raised you. And that's with me, with Coach Walsh. You know, I, yeah. I there's not a time in my day that I don't think about something he said about some event, whether it be, you know, last night watching those two games or this morning when you kind of go through the game books, you just kind of always have it. It's like that voice in the side of your ear. It's the magical Cardinal is really what he is. Always mesmerized by Al Davis. And look, you know, Al was one of <laughs> <laughs> and, and Al, there, there was there. I mean, you want to talk about polar opposites, right? In terms of demeanor yeah. and how to you know deal with people in the room. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate compare and contrast, Mike. I mean, that's Bill Walsh and Al Davis. Yeah, but I, you know, Walsh got me to do that because when I was driving him around, he said the most football he ever learned in his life was from Al Davis. So yeah. at that moment at 25, 26 years old, I said, I, well, I better go work for Al Davis. But, you know, you you knew Al was in the building from his cologne, which was very, very present. And you knew he was there. But you also knew he was, it didn't matter where he was. He was like, he was a drone strike before drones were even invented. He could fly from anywhere and get you. And you better be on top of your game. You, you better be able to handle the questions that he is going to ask. And I've often said this many times. I never got to play a home game without Davis. It was I was always on the road. I never got to ask him questions. I always had to answer his questions. So I never was able to wear the home whites. I had to wear the dress grays all the time and try to handle that. But my fondest memory when I wrote, one of the reasons I wrote this book was because of Al. I went into his office just when I was about an inch away from closing the Randy Moss trade to the Raiders. And I bragged to him about now we have the best receiver maybe to ever have played the game. And 45 minutes later, I learned all about Lance Bambi Allworth and how wrong I was that Allworth was, in fact, the best receiver in the game. What was it like being his lead football executive? Because, you know, that's the title, right? And whatever it was, general manager, lead football, it's still Al Davis, and it's going to be Al's team, and it's going to be Al's way. But I know, and I've talked to you about this, I've talked to Rich Gannon about this, I've talked to the late John Madden about this, how much Al respected your opinion. But what was that like being the lead football executive for Al Davis? Well, you had to be on your toes because like I said, he was going to ask you questions that he expected you to answer. I, that's why I started the book 
about you don't work in the NFL. His quote, you don't work in the NFL, kid. You live in the NFL, and you needed to live in the NFL. You were on call 24-7, and you had to be able to address the questions that he asked, and you had to know the league inside and out, and you had to give your opinion. If you were wishy-washy, he was just going to hang up the phone. You were not getting a goodbye, nor would you ever have gotten a goodbye but he was going to hang up the phone on you and you had to answer specifics. And he forced you to really study the game and he didn't always do what you wanted to do. In fact, a lot of times you didn't get a chance to do what you wanted to do. He, he flew alone quite often, but when he allowed you to speak your mind, he allowed you to speak your mind and that's all you could ask for as an owner. You want to be able to give your opinion because that's what he's paying you for. So it, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. And, he just had a, a unique ability to know football in a different way than most. He taught me players and plays, which I think is really vital today. Players and plays. I love that. And then, you know, Bill Belichick has the greatest amount of respect for you and you worked for Bill. And, you know, I've always made this case, Mike, that to me, Bill Belichick is the, and I don't want to talk about soccer because I don't know enough. But for me, Bill Belichick is the best coach in professional sports history. We could talk North American sports, and I will always make that case. What is it about Bill? I mean, we can go through his time with the Giants as a defensive coordinator. We could go through what he built in New England. How does he, year in, year out, separate himself from the pack? You know, I think what he and Bill have, Walsh, they, they both have, they, they're different. You know, Walsh would have perfectly pressed khakis, a, a perfectly clean white shirt, which this whitest sneakers you've ever seen. And Bill is dangerous with a pair of scissors in his hands. But at the end of the day, they both had an incredible ability to focus. And they use the definition of focus, which most people misunderstand. Their ability to focus on what is the main thing. And they keep the main thing, the main thing. Belichick has that ability to understand, to ask the right questions, to diagnose the problem and then solve the problem. And he keeps his focus in that arena. Same thing with Walsh. And that's a rare trait, especially today with social media and all the outside noise. You tend to get distracted. And I think his ability to stay in the moment, to stay present. It's funny. I did not know Ryan Holiday. And I read his book, The Obstacle is the Way. And I was working in New England at the time when I read it. And I called and I emailed Holiday and I just said to Ryan, I said, Ryan, you just wrote the best book on Bill Belichick that I've ever read. And he's, well, it's not about Bill Belichick. I said, well, I think Belichick was Marcus Aurelius in another life because that's kind of who he was. He just has this ability to understand the what in front of him. He knows the obstacle is the way. And he has the ability to fight through it and see down the road and solve the problems before they become major problems. Yeah, that's part of the genius of Belichick. You're 100% right. To see what the problems are and what they can be and be proactive and do something about it. Mike, with all that football knowledge and, and you're so well-respected, how difficult was that for you? And you were in so many different organizations yeah. To then go to Cleveland, where you're given the keys to the car, and you have a meddlesome owner who, let me say it, frankly, didn't know which way was up. Yeah. He did me the greatest favor of all, though, Adam. I, I am so appreciative of Jimmy Haslam firing me. I couldn't thank him enough. I really couldn't. Because he gave me three of the greatest years with Belichick that I could have ever asked for. 
you know, had that not happened, uh, maybe I would not have been able to go to the Patriots based on all the circumstances surrounding it. But to me, I, I am forever grateful for Jimmy Haslam for that because he never really understood. He's a, like a lot of owners. You know, I just mentioned focus. The, the, he's the opposite of focus. He lets everybody's opinion come in. And when you have a lot of opinions, you're never going to make a good decision. It's it's what I wrote about in this book. I think Dan Rooney, when he decided to hire Chuck Noll after Joe Paterno accepted the job and turned him down, the Steelers changed who they were and they decided to focus and to become listening to the people in the building and not listening to the outside crowd. And that's a hard trait to have. I thought Jimmy working in Pittsburgh or being around that would have brought that with him when he became the full owner at Cleveland, but he did. And he listened to too many people. But again, I'm so appreciative of him because I was able to go there and win two more Super Bowls and work with the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, I, I hear that, and I totally agree with that. Before we chop it up a little on what's going on in the NFL now, give me, and you hit this in the course of the book, Mike, give me an owner, give me a player, give me a coach and executive who you think vastly in NFL sports conversation circles underrated who deserve more appreciation. Well, first, let's start coach. I, I think Marty Schottenheimer, without a doubt. First of all, there's 521 men who have called themselves head NFL coaches, 521. Eight of them, eight out of 521, have won 200 more games. That's an elite category. That's an elite category. Well, you could say, well, Schottenheimer didn't win a Super Bowl. Okay, George Allen didn't either. He got the one. You know, I mean, so yet he put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, his win percentage is 61%. He took he restored three franchises. So I think he's really underappreciated. Dan Reeves as well, because Dan Reeves, you know, he gets he gets oh well Elway won for him. Okay, well, Don Shul is the winningest coach of all time. He went four years without making the playoffs with Dan Marino. You need a you need a good coach with a good quarterback. So I think those two really are underappreciated as coaches, along with Clark Shaughnessy, because when Patrick Mahomes redid his contract the other day. He probably should have donated to the Clark Shaughnessy Foundation because there wouldn't be the position of quarterback if it wasn't for Clark Shaughnessy. You know, he changed the game. That move right there changed football forever, and yet he can't get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Player-wise, Sterling Sharp, without a question of a doubt. To me, he just has been overlooked. His career is too short, they say. Okay, I accept that. Terrell Davis's career was short too, but he's in. Tony Baselli's career was short for an offensive lineman. You just put him in. Like Sterling Sharp was a unique dominating receiver in the National yeah. Football League that was trending in the direction he should with Don Majakowski at quarterback, one year with Brett Favre. The executive to me is Mike Hall. Well, there's two executives. One is Jack Venisi. When Lombardi came to Green Bay in 59, he took the job because of Jack Venisi. Jack Venisi worked behind the scenes to get Lombardi that job or to get him interested in that job and then to get all the authority he needed. But when Lombardi drove that car into Green Bay that day with his family, there were already 10 Hall of Fame players on that roster that Jack Venisi drafted. Now, they say up in Green Bay, well, he didn't have the title. It could have been the coach. No. If you read the reports, which I have, if you spend time talking to the players, Jack Venisi was the reason. Ask Ray Nitschke. Ray Nitschke made it very clear. Lombardi even made it clearer when he landed at the airport in Green Bay and after they won the Western Conference Championship in, in November, December, against the Rams, he thanked Jack Venisi, who died in November of a heart attack, 
So we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jack Venisi. He's right. The other one is, is Mike Holovec, the Monsignor, we used to call him. Look at that Houston Oiler team that he put together. Oh. It's unbelievable. It's oh. one of the most talented teams in the history of football. And yet they couldn't win it. They couldn't win the big game. He couldn't get the right coach to get them over the top. So I would say those people, to me, are vastly underappreciated, along with my top 100 player, Kenny Washington, who I think deserves a lot of recognition for breaking the color barrier, essentially, in football. A hundred percent. And I love that you you mentioned him in the book, and, and he deserves that. And I don't think that gets talked about enough and that that you're no. 100% right. Love that you mentioned Marty. And Marty was not a good coach, a great coach. And I was around Marty for a bit and learned so much about football from him. Dan Reeves, the same. I mean, you you and I love what Shannon Sharp said when he was rightly inducted into the Hall of Fame. He said, I'm the second best Sharp in the history of the NFL. Yeah. And, exactly. and Shannon didn't say that to, to grandstand. Mike, it's the truth. It's the truth. And Sterling was incredible. But he gets lost in time. You know, look, one of the objectives, Adam, that I had with writing this book was to not disturb or to throw uh, uh, bad words on any player who's been elected into the hall. Some I don't understand how they got in, but they're in. And they earned their way in. But what I was trying to do is once you put some of those in, I think you need to go back and look at some that you've overlooked. The only person that I think the NFL should take a really hard look at removing, besides OJ, is George Preston Marshall, who caused Kenny Washington and a lot of other great black athletes their opportunity to play football during the late 30s and early 40s. That's an excellent point. I, I think that you – and it's all in this book. I'm telling you, football done right it is an absolute must-read. Mike, your Twitter feed is always active, and it's always fun. <laughs> I, I, I love following it. And, you know, oftentimes I feel like, you know, there, there's, there's so much intelligence and strong opinions, and that's what I look for out of anyone who I value. So, yeah. you know, the well, next... I, I think the chapter on – the chapter, I, I've always had strong opinions. It's probably why I don't, I'm not in the league. But the chapter that I wrote about on uh, on television reinforced it even more. The great Howard Cosell, uh, you know, for him not to be in the halls and injustice as well, because no one no one moved the needle on television more than he did. And he uh, uh, the debt of gratitude these owners should pay to him as they cash that check for six point one billion when they sell these franchises is tremendous. So. You know, uh, Howard was incredible. He was bigger than life. I don't think people today understand how big Howard was and what he did for the sport. And the same with Brent Musburger. And not because I work for Visa, which is owned by the Musburger family or once was owned by the family. It's now owned by DraftKings. You know, Musburger and his ability to craft betting into the conversation on the NFL today with Jimmy the Greek really helped this game tremendously grow. Yeah, by the way, I I forgot about Cosell that he wasn't in. Like that that to me is just mesmerizing that that Howard Cosell is not I mean, he is the greatest and most powerful of all time. I mean, people loved him, people hated him, people watched and listened to him. I used that when I talked to kids who were in broadcasting all the time. I say, go back and watch Howard Cosell and study him. And and Musburger, I agree with completely. Mike you were ahead of the curve, and you were there, NFL Today. You know Brent. You knew Jimmy the Greek. And, and listen, now everyone is in on the lines and gambling. And by the way, I, I think it's great for the sport and conversation. And now it's legal and everybody's doing it. How did you become so ahead of the curve when it came <laughs> to the play? And I'm being serious because you were 
understanding the place where legal gambling can have in the NFL and, frankly, in all sports. I, and like most of my life, it's been serendipitous. I mean, I was kind of, you know, I moved back to New Jersey. I didn't really know what my next thing was going to do. I, I just finished Gridiron Genius, and I got a phone call from the Musburgers. And and I don't know, I didn't know anything about gambling. I knew nothing about gambling. I've never gambled, and I don't gamble. But what I do know, what I have spent my life doing is handicapping football teams. Uh, I call it breaking down teams. The betters would call it handicapping. That's what I did. So once I was able to take what I knew about teams and parlay that into a conversation around who could win and who could lose and what, what, why the game was going in a different direction, it helped me. And being on VEASAN as they were, I, was, I, I got with them as we started this company. And it's been remarkable. And they've been incredible to me. And, and it's, been, it's been the greatest part of my second career. You know, being able to write two books. The first book gave me a lot of personal freedom, Adam, because I was able to say things that, you know, you don't, you don't say. My two sons are coaches. And the reason yeah. they're coaches is because I wanted them to have tape to back up what they do. Because when you're an executive in the NFL, you can fudge it a little bit. You can say, well, I like that guy. I didn't like that guy. Nobody goes back and reads the reports, you know. And so by writing the first book, I was able to kind of say what I thought and what we did. And then this book, to me, just was another labor of love where I learned a lot about the league. You know, you go back to Cosell. Cosell said this, and we should all remind us, as you and I are in the business, same business together, is if we see it, we have to say it. And I think that gets lost in the conversation. If we see it, we have to say it. Why is Barkley so popular? Because he sees it and he says it. Yeah, you're 100% right, and that's why Charles is the absolute best. So you were tweeting uh, during the Monday night game about Nick Chubb, and that was devastating, and I love Nick Chubb as a player, as a person. And, and I didn't pick the Browns preseason to the playoffs, but I thought they'd be really solid, above 500, win nine games, have the opportunity to to be a really strong team, love what they did week one. All right, so Chubb's now out for the year, and it sucks. You're an executive. Now you have to move on and take emotion and feeling out of it. Are we going Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette? Are we going Cam Akers? Are we picking up the phone and trying to get Jonathan Taylor? So let's give a little backdrop. Kareem Hunt visited two places back in August, uh, the Saints and the Colts, and he was out of shape. They had no interest in signing him once they looked at what he was doing physically wise same thing with Fournette. now that could have changed in a month i mean we all have our moments of eating too much but uh obviously you know at that moment they weren't ready to play so assuming they're still in the same category that's not an answer i'm not sure cam Akers is either here's what i do know that the browns are in the top three of cash over cap this year what does that mean that means they went all in the jets the browns and shockingly the houston texans are the three most spending teams in the nfl this season they're all in. The Jets were all in. Unfortunately, Rodgers got hurt. Same thing with the Browns. I think they owe it to this all-in mentality to at least call Chris Ballard and say, hey, look, you want something that equates to a one? We'll give you a two. We'll give you other things. Because here's what you do know. If you're Paul D. Podesto and you're Andrew Barry in Cleveland, you do know that this injury is the same leg that he already had injured before at Georgia, which moved him down in the draft, right? Unfortunately. I mean, Sonny Michelle went ahead of him. Yeah. Only because of the medical, only because of the medical. And so, you know, you may not have him for another year. And your team, and I wrote about this for VEASAN online today, your team's identity is centered on the running back. You paid Deshaun Watson a ton of money, but your team is built around this running back. 
And you better have an elite back. You don't have a one next year. You do have your second. I think you owe it to make that call. And especially if you can convince Taylor to come in and play for you and that you're willing to pay a running back next year. I think the Cowboys are amazing. I think they're legit. I picked San Francisco to win the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team in the league. Who do you think right now, after two weeks, Baltimore's off to a good start, love Lamar Jackson, love Coach Harbaugh. Who's your number one team in the NFL, Mike? Well, I think it's still San Francisco. I think Dallas, we haven't seen if they've been tested. You know, they played the Sinatra Open, New York, New York, and they've dominated <laughs> both those games, right? So I, 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 they're really, I think Mike McCarthy gets a beating out there by Twitter, you know, by the analytical community. But all, what he did last week against the Jets, he game planned against what we believe is a really good defense. Yeah. He dominated that defense. Tyler Smith still wasn't his left guard in the game. And his game planning and his crafting of the run game was outstanding. I like Dallas's team. I think Dallas is actually ahead of Philly. I don't think Philly's where they were last year defensively, especially in the defensive front. Hassan Riddick doesn't have a sack this year after two games. You can convert third downs against them. Last year it was much difficult. I love Cleveland's team. I think Cleveland, what they showed last night defensively with Jim Schwartz, I think they're really good. I think they're really good. Now, I'm not saying Watson's going to be the great player that he once was, but they're really good. And if they can run the football with that defense – I mean, look, they held Pittsburgh. I think the Pittsburgh had 13 drives. They punted seven times. They had to kick two field goals at them over awesome. 50 yards. You know, and they win that game if they just don't turn the ball over. I like Cleveland. I think the AFC is so wide open. Kansas City right now is struggling to move. Watch yeah. that Jacksonville game. They struggled. It's not easy for them. So, look, it's that's what makes the NFL so great. Injuries play a part of all this. You know, we get so much criticized for not being able to predict who's going to win, who's going to lose at the beginning of the season. I have a hard time predicting that because I don't know. If you'd have told me Nick Chubb was going to get injured, I wouldn't have predicted Cleveland would be a playoff team. Yeah, listen, I picked Cleveland to win last night because of Nick Chubb and the injuries with Hayward and Johnson for Pittsburgh. I had Pittsburgh in the playoffs preseason. I mean, it's not easy when it comes to injuries. Football done right. It is an absolute must read. Get it at Barnes & Noble. Get it on Amazon, wherever you get your books. Michael, keep up the great work, my friend, and we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Adam. Anytime. Rise and Shine is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, please give a five-star rating, leave a review, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Sirius XM Podcasts. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 